This is the World in Brief from the Economist. Our top stories. Several news outlets reported that Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, plans to visit Washington on Wednesday to address Congress and meet Joe Biden, his American counterpart. It would mark his first known foreign trip since the war's start, though it reportedly may be called off owing to security concerns. American lawmakers are preparing to pass a $1.7 trillion spending bill that contains $45 billion in additional assistance to Ukraine and NATO. On Tuesday, Mr. Zelensky made a surprise visit to Bakhmut, a tiny town in eastern Ukraine that Russia has been attempting to seize for months. Vladimir Putin admitted that the situation in the four regions of Ukraine that his country claimed to have annexed in September is, quote, extremely difficult. Meanwhile, the Kremlin moved to shut down the Moscow Helsinki Group, one of Russia's most prominent human rights organizations. Wells Fargo agreed to a $3.7 billion settlement with America's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau over mismanagement tied to mortgages and loans. The CFPB ordered America's fourth-largest bank to pay $2 billion to redress harm done to customers and fined the bank $1.7 billion, a record amount. Wells Fargo has been scandal-stricken since 2016 when it emerged that it had opened fraudulent customer accounts. China said it would limit its official tally of COVID-19 deaths to those who tested positive for the virus and died from respiratory failure. The definition is narrower than the previous standard, which included anyone who died after testing positive. As the virus spreads throughout the country, just five COVID fatalities were reported on Tuesday. The true number is likely to be far higher. The Taliban barred women from attending university in Afghanistan. The edict, issued in a letter by the Higher Education Minister, adds to the many schooling-related obstacles the Taliban have imposed on Afghan women since regaining power in 2021. They, in effect, banned girls from secondary school after taking over and, in October, severely restricted the subjects women could study at university. Mexico granted asylum to family members of Peru's former president, Pedro Castillo, who faces prosecution for his attempt to dissolve the legislature. Mexico did not say which of his relatives or how many had sought refuge at its embassy in Lima. Several, including his wife, are being investigated for corruption. Mexico's president continues to acknowledge Mr. Castillo, a fellow leftist, as Peru's rightful leader. EU regulators will open an investigation into a planned $61 billion takeover of VMware, a software company, by Broadcom, a chipmaker. The European Commission said it was concerned that Broadcom would make VMware's software inoperable with competitors' hardware. Separately, Amazon reached a settlement with EU regulators to end an antitrust probe, avoiding a potential fine of 10% of global revenues. And fact of the day, 1.5 million. The number of deaths that could occur in China's new COVID-19 wave, according to The Economist's worst-case estimate. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. 2022 in review. White-collar workers revisit the office. This week, we are looking back on 2022. Today, the year in business. It was supposed to be the year that the world went back to the office, perhaps even in China. By September 2022, the Economist's Normalcy Index, 
showed that most forms of activity were nearly back to their pre-pandemic normal. In richer countries, however, offices are stuck at around two-thirds of their pre-pandemic capacity, as they have been since late 2021. Many professionals seem to have settled into a hybrid arrangement of some office days and some remote days. There is much to recommend hybrid work. Flexibility for employees, periods of concentration at home, bursts of cooperation in the office. But managers, especially on Wall Street, have noted the downsides too. A survey conducted by economists a year ago found that firms expected around a quarter of all work hours to be spent at home in a post-COVID world. That is about half what workers said they want. A compromise is still in the making. 2022 in review, multinationals rethink supply chains. Even as the year began, global businesses were growing weary under the weight of tangled supply chains. Shortages of staff and materials were stoking inflation as the aftereffects of the pandemic rippled through the world economy. Then, Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent commodity prices soaring and reminded firms how quickly a political shock can close one market and wreak havoc on others. All this prompted the start of a structural transformation. Firms and governments have begun to prioritize building supply chains that are robust, not just efficient. The shift has another discernible direction, away from China. The world's factory, an epithet often applied to China, is a designation that now makes some businesses nervous. New research spells out the benefits of more diverse supply chains. America and Europe have made the push geopolitical, too, by boosting domestic chip makers to reduce their reliance on China in the name of national security. The new age of diversification might also herald an era of industrial policy. 2022 in Review Big Tech's Big Reckoning Having fattened themselves on the feast of 2021, the five largest tech firms started 2022 comprising over 20% of the S&P 500 index. Meta was first among the MAAMA, Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple, to slip. Blindsided by TikTok's incursion into social media and then by Apple's new privacy rules, Facebook's parent came bearing bad news on February 2nd. The other giant's investors glimpsed its shadow and turned tail. Suddenly, the narrative of the 2010s, of natural monopolies enjoying an effortless dominance over the economy and investment portfolios, began to falter. Over the summer, bubbles started popping. By the fourth quarter, Meta had shed 74% of its share price and sacked 11,000 workers. The total market capitalization of MAAMA fell by $3.7 trillion. Still private tech startups, having raised a stonking $621 billion in 2021, were hit even harder. And so, despite the specter of conglomeritis, the biggest firms, those still fat enough to hibernate for the next few years, were the most hopeful about weathering the winter ahead. 2022 in Review Elon Musk's Wild Twitter Ride 
the most stupendous, or at least stupefying, business story of the year started with a corporate takeover that at first nobody seemed to want, and eventually nobody could stop watching. Back in April, Elon Musk was the richest man in the world, thanks to the public valuation of Tesla, his electric car company. He hatched a plan to buy Twitter, a chitter-chattery social media platform, not for pecuniary purposes, he said, but to save free speech. Having offered to buy at an implied value of $44 billion, within a month Mr. Musk changed his mind, but Twitter's board kept him to his word, and by October he became its owner reluctantly, and vengefully he halved the staff overnight, scared away advertisers, and generally turned the business upside down. Innovations might have been welcome, but not like the $8 monthly blue verified tick that Mr. Musk's right-wing fanbase cheered on. Free speech fared even worse. By December, Mr. Musk began expelling journalists from the site, and after Tesla shares tanked, he lost his place as the world's richest person. On December 18th, Mr. Musk asked Twitter users if he should step down as the platform's CEO. Days later, it remained unclear whether he would honor their yes. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Wednesday. Which female character is the focus of the Truman Capote novel Breakfast at Tiffany's? Tuesday. What Wyoming attraction erupts every one to two hours? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kate Bush. As an artist, you're never happy with anything you do. It's part of the process. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.